0: Alright, everyone, grab your Bibles and open up with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 is where we're going to be as the primary passage of focus, but we're going to look at a passage of Malachi. We're going to look in Luke chapter 1. We're going to be back in Philippians 2. So we're going to be in a few places. And uh, it might seem a little bit intriguing to be in the book of Philippians. For a Christmas message, but my prayer is that by the end of our time, you're going to understand exactly why we've come here. And uh, we've been navigating through this series called Christmas Isn't Cancelled. And (laughs) it, it seems kind of ironic that that's been our series, and here we are doing a virtual service. But it emphasizes the point. It emphasizes this reality That even when what we normally associate with Christmas isn't happening, the true celebration and reason for our rejoicing at this time of year cannot be taken away. Praise the Lord for that. And so as part of this series, the focus and and the desire, the prayer leaning into this has been about let's make sure our focus is on what it truly should be when we come to this time of year. And let's not fail to celebrate and rejoice because things look different. And because things aren't happening the way we want them to happen. I get that. I'm, I'm with you. And I understand. I, I completely grasp that. But our hope remains the same. Amen. Our hope remains consistent. And Paul speaks here in the book of Philippians with a tone of anticipation and joy. And this is happening even as he himself is imprisoned. He himself is experiencing some intense trial. And yet as he writes the church at Philippi, he has so much eager anticipation that's ultimately rooted in what God has already done up to that point. And also anticipating what God's going to do in the days ahead. And so as we navigate this, there's really one main idea that I want you to grasp and take away from our time. Wherever you're watching this, at whatever time you're watching this. And that main idea is simply this. God is at work in every season and will bring all things to completion. God is at work in every season And he will bring all things to completion. What do I mean by that? Well, you're going to see as we unpack this, why this is the main idea of the entire time that we're going to dive into God's word together. I want to read, starting at verse 1, I'm going to read Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. Follow along with me with whatever Bible you're using where you're at. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus That your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father, as we open your word together, may you open our eyes. May you remind us of the reason that we have to celebrate in this season And even more so, to anticipate, to anticipate the future and the fulfillment of your promises and all of your plans, ultimately for your glory. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, as we read through this portion of Philippians, you see Paul engaging with the church at Philippi in a way of encouragement and a way of reminder and one of the reminders that stands out in the midst of these first 11 verses is this reminder in verse 6. I am sure of this. Everyone say sure. I am sure of this. That He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, the, the first thing I want us to sit on in reading this, is that the work God is doing, He will fulfill. The work God is doing, He will fulfill. Now, the reality is, when it comes to the Christmas narrative, and it comes to the coming of Jesus, this was not a fluke. This was not something that took place on a whim, and God went, oh, I guess I'll use that. This happened exactly according to the way God planned it to happen. Now, to illustrate that, we're gonna go back, we're gonna go back to the book of Malachi. Malachi is the book right before Matthew, so if you're in the New Testament and you open to the Gospel of Matthew, just turn back one book to the book of Malachi. Malachi is one of the prophetic books. And what I want you to grasp as we go back and look at this, and then we're going to go to Luke 1, is I want you to see that in the grand scheme, in the full scope of the whole narrative of God's redemptive plan, the Christmas narrative is but a piece. It's a big piece, but it's but a piece. And we lose the reason we have to celebrate if we remove the rest of the narrative from the Christmas story. Because the miracle comes not just when Jesus is born, but in the fulfillment of prophecies hundreds of years old that came to fruition in Christ. And so in Malachi 3, starting at verse 1, it says, Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare a, the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple Of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. now, to grasp this a little further we 're going to turn to Luke chapter one, but understand here that Malachi is prophesying from the Lord. And the Lord saying, I'm going to send my messenger to prepare the way for me. The Lord will come. All of these prophetically speaking to the coming Messiah. We've seen this elsewhere. You go back to the book of Isaiah. You see these prophecies. You look throughout the other prophetic books. You see this building up of anticipation for the Messiah, the Savior to come. So the Jewish people, the nations are just longing. They're eager for this to happen. They're waiting for this to happen. So now if you look over to Luke chapter 1, we see, I'm, uh, we're going to look specifically starting in verse 60, 67. And this is Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, that speaks these words. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 67, he says, And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David "...in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways." Now note, this is talking about John the Baptist here. "...to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high." to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, church, what Zechariah prophesies here about John the Baptist fulfills the prophecy spoken by Malachi in Malachi chapter 3. Specifically, that God would send a messenger to prepare the way for the one who would ultimately save His people. And so the reason I draw your attention to this is going back to this very concept that the work God is doing, He will fulfill. The reality is, church, that God has already been working to fulfill His plans and His purposes in every season from the past up until now. And He'll continue doing so into the future Until all is fulfilled. Isn't that a reason to rejoice? It's a reason to rejoice because it means that regardless of how much things shift and change around us, no matter what's happening here and now, God is still at work. Now wherever you're at, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just turn to the people that you're watching this with and say, God is still at work. Go ahead and do that right now. Now, this is something we just have to consistently remind each other of, church, because it's easy for us to lose sight of that. And even we see this in the Psalms, okay? The Psalms, this is not a new thing that we look to God and we go, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Now, I don't know about you, but there has been a lot a lot of anticipation leading up to this week in my home. Gifts have been wrapped the tree and the house have been decorated, lights have been strung, cookies have been baked, and my kids are just off the wall excited for this week. And there's numerous reasons for that, right? There's numerous reasons because of the celebrations that ensue, because of all that takes place. And the closer it gets, if you were to talk to my children, the longer the days seem. Now, to put this in perspective, the waiting leading up to this Christmas season in our home pales. It pales in comparison to the waiting for the Messiah that the people of Israel, God's people, chosen nation, were waiting for the fulfillment of this. If we go back to the prophecies even in Isaiah, we're we're talking 700 years. Hundreds of years take place. Between these prophecies that are spoken and the coming of Christ. So we're not the first ones to wait and to long for redemption. To long for Christ's return. This this is something that continues to be a reality for the people of God. But in the waiting, it does not mean that God is stagnant. Rather, He is working And he will fulfill his promises and the work that he has started. That's where the truth comes in in Philippians 1. And the the promise, the reminder that Paul is declaring to the church at Philippi is the same reminder that we need right here, right now. That he who began a good work will bring it to completion. And that work is going to look different in this day and age than it did for the church at Philippi because culturally it's different and the world as we know it is different. But the mission remains the same. Our God, the God we serve, the God of the nations is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. And now you and I sitting here right now have the opportunity knowing that the Messiah has come to celebrate that, to rejoice, because a Savior was born, and He wasn't just born, He fulfilled exactly what God intended for Him to, when He died on the cross, and He rose again, and He ascended on high, and we wait with eager anticipation for His return. And we know, we hold true the reality The reason this celebration is so great is because this gift is unlike any gift that was ever given to the world. That hope has come, salvation has come in Christ. We celebrate this time of year as followers of Christ, but we also recognize that in our lifetime there's going to be seasons of great mourning. There's going to be hardship. There's going to be loss of earthly hopes and dreams. There's going to be seasons when our faith is tested. But the reality of this is, it does not change the eternal hope that we have been given in this new promise that was found in Christ. The work God is doing, He will fulfill. The second point in the midst of this time together is this reality that the work God has started He will complete. Everyone say will. Not only will He continue working and fulfill exactly what He has started doing, He's going to complete all of this according to His plan and His purposes. If we look back in Philippians, we look in Philippians 1 once again. Paul refers not only to his sure anticipation that God who began a good work in the church at Philippi will bring it to completion. Understand this. When's the timeline that he speaks of this happening? It will be brought to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We're still waiting on that day, church. And it's interesting because throughout Scripture we see that the hope that is brought in Christ is not meant to be something that is passively received. Rather, actively understanding this gift. It's to transform who we are. It's to be an ongoing transformation that takes place from the time that we choose to follow after Jesus until He comes again. This is why in verse 9, Paul says, "...it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ." To the glory and praise of God. An illustration that we could use to pull from this is this reality that, uh, um, I love baking. Okay? If you were to talk to my wife, we, we, in our household, she cooks and I bake. It's just how things worked out. It's really, it's worked out well. But the reality is, if you make something that you're gonna, if you're, if you're gonna bake something, and you put it in the oven, you take it out too soon, it's not good. If you leave it too long, it's not good. There is a sweet spot in there, and many of you have experienced one way or the other, and the reality is, there's, there's, there's a time frame. Where all the ingredients are working together and it brings whatever you're baking to the point that it's just right. It's exactly as it's intended to be. Now the reason I bring this up is because Christmas time just seems like a time to bake. (laughs) A lot of people resonate with that and we have good memories associated with that. And you might be enjoying some of that baking right now as you're listening to this or prior to listening to this. You you experienced this. And the reality is, church, when we come to the celebration of Christ's birth, we also anticipate and recognize that we are unfinished. We are unfinished where we are right now. And my prayer is that you know Christ. That you understand the truth of this, the hope that is brought in Christ. And if not, that is what I want you to focus in on right now. Because if you do not know Christ, then the process hasn't even begun yet. That's the starting point. To understand the gift that was given in Jesus, that life and life eternal was only found, is only found in the Son of God who was born that day in Bethlehem. And there is hope eternal for those Who believe in the name of Jesus to be saved. But for the rest of you. Who believe this. And who know this. And who've heard this story over and over again. The question I have for you is. Has it changed who you are? Has it shifted. And molded. And shaped you. To be more like him. At the end of the day, if the gospel has not transformed us, then we should call into question whether or not we've truly understood the gospel. Because when we truly understand the gospel, it will leave you never being the same and will bring a whole new meaning to the celebration that we should have when we remember that Christ came in the form of a man. The work God has started, He will complete. The most challenging part of this truth is that if God is the one doing the work in His people, and He will be the one to complete it, It means that your plans may not always line up with His. But His will will always succeed. Many are the plans in the heart of a man, but the will of the Lord prevails. That's Proverbs 19.21. And if we root into this together, and we believe, and we state that we believe God is, is not only at work, but He will bring it all to completion. And we have to accept the reality that that may look differently than what we had hoped or dreamed or imagined it would. And trust Him even further. Now, as we shift to the end of our time in this, there's a couple of application truths that I want you to walk away from this from with First one, trust the work God is doing right now. I can't speak to what that is in your own life, but you know what that is. You can point to something right now that is a test or a trial or a grievance. Something that you just don't understand. And in the midst of everything taking place, it is worthwhile asking What is the work God is seeking to do in us right now? More importantly, for my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to take a look, a hard look, at what God is seeking to do in His church right now, as a whole. And we need to trust the work that God is doing. As hard as that may be to accept as different as things are looking right now. Things will never be the same as they once were. But we need to trust the work that God is doing right now. Secondly. We need to find joy in the anticipation of God's plan. And this is a lot easier for me to just say. Than it is for me To live out. Because there's days that finding joy. And anticipating what God is going to do. Does not fit with the struggle of right here today. Right now. And yet. Hope is eternal in Christ. A savior is born this day. Who is Christ the Lord. Our Messiah. And the anticipation. For his birth should continue as we anticipate His return once again to redeem us from a sinful world. Now, this is where the importance of the incarnation of Jesus comes into reality. The theology of the incarnation. God becoming human flesh. And if you turn to Philippians chapter 2, Starting in verse 5, Paul encourages the church at Philippi to have a mindset that models that of Jesus Himself. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant. to the glory of God the Father. As we think about the significance of this time of year, the time that we celebrate the birth of our savior, we cannot separate that from the fulfillment of his earthly ministry and ultimately His eternal purpose to come and save us from our sin by dying on the cross and raising to life to show that he alone had power over death itself. To reveal that in him we no longer have to fear death, but have been given life and life eternal To quote Fleming Rutledge in an article he wrote entitled Advent Begins Where Human Potential Ends says God came to earth not the other way around. His movement His purpose His promise fulfilled. God's work not ours. We could not and we cannot accomplish this with all our learning and all our achievements only God can do it. In a world of profound darkness and distress, pervasive sin and evil, we look to the one true light. Father, thank you for being a God. Who had a plan for redemption? Thank you for being a God who did not cast us out. Father, this day we celebrate that hope has come, that our Saviour. Is alive. Taking the form of a man coming to this earth, walking where your people have walked, yet living sinlessly and willingly giving his life. Lord, this Christmas may we not separate the birth of Christ from his earthly ministry and ultimately the reason we have hope. But may we rejoice all the more because we know that there is life in Christ. Lord, I pray for the person listening to this right now. Who is longing for that hope and that life. And I pray by your spirit that you would draw them to a place where they would make a choice right now. To say I believe. Because nothing else. Nothing else has satisfied. Everything that I have had hope in. Has been broken And they recognize that they need so much more than themselves. Father, remind each of us of that this day. How much we need the gospel, the good news that Jesus brought life. And we need that today. May we root into that promise as we celebrate together. And as we walk with hope into the days ahead, knowing that You will fulfill and bring Your purposes to completion exactly as You have intended to. We pray all of this in the holy, powerful name of Jesus, our Savior.